This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael in the studio. Listeners, we got a question today about marriage. So Michael, here's our question for today. What is the biblical basis for the marriage vows that we use generally and the line, until death do us part? I think one of the things that most people are not aware of when it comes to weddings is that much of the way we do it is a reenactment of the garden. Of the garden scene. Yep. Where God performed the first wedding. Yeah, like I love telling the dads, like you're God right now. (laughs) You know, like you're giving away this woman to be with this man, you know? And I don't know how you felt about that experience, but... Having done two of my kids. Yeah, right. Both of them. I feel like giving away my daughter to a young, like, moron is going to be a lot harder <laughs> than my son, you know? Anyway, so I always tell the dad, like, you're God right now. And so, you know, you're you're reenacting this thing. And so part of the marriage vow is, is, is historically just to make a promise to each other, a theological promise, a practical promise. But the line about until death do us part comes from, A, scripture, and then B, scripture forms a, we'll just say a general theological reality that marriage is a covenant it's an unconditional covenant, there you go. which we are bound to by all of our life until death. And so it's just that simple. Like, you're not out of the covenant until you die. This is an unconditional covenant. It is not conditional. Now, if she loves you as much as you want her to love you, then you can love her as much as you can physically love her or, or emotionally love her. So it's not conditional on each other's love for one another, but it's unconditional before God. Yep. People treat marriage like the Mosaic Covenant, which was conditional. Mm-hmm. If you do blank, I will bless you. That's if right. you do bad, then I will curse, curse you. you. Yeah. And that's not how marriage is supposed <laughs> to work. So, Sadly, many of them do, though. Yeah. So it's very simply a concept rooted in Scripture around the idea that covenants are permanent, and marriage represents salvation. It represents Christ and the church. And so here's a, an interesting way to process it. When you come to faith in Christ, which is what marriage represents, marriage represents, in, in a sense, um, our relationship with Jesus Christ. Right. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, God covenants himself unconditionally to you forever. And there's actually nothing you can do that can break that covenant or get out of the covenant. In fact, God's promise to you is I'll give you my Holy Spirit. I will give you some semblance of amount of faith forever. And it's it's not just till death. Actually, part of the covenant is that when you die, I will still continue to fulfill my end of the covenant, mm-hmm. which is to save you, to bring you to heaven, to give you a new body, to mm-hmm. all that good stuff. So uh, the question is, where do we get until death do us part? And it goes back to Romans seven two, which says a married woman is bound by law to her husband while she well, while, he, while lives. he lives, not while she lives, but well, well yeah, both, <laughs> both of them. Yeah. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Matthew nineteen, Jesus says, "Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife, the two should become one flesh, so they are no." longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And what the vow is saying is we will not separate what God has brought together. Mm-hmm. Scripture tells us the only thing that can separate that is actually death. And then there is, there's a caveat. Now we're going on the trail, so might as well finish the thought. Yeah, go ahead. The principle of divorce, Jesus says, is given to God's people, not because it's good, but because of our hard hearts. Hardened hearts. That's Matthew 19. Yep. So, In Scripture, there are two realities where God will look at a Christian and say, 
if these things happened, I will prematurely release you from the restrictions, the law of this covenant. Mm -hmm. The reason God hates divorce is because it might lead some people to think that he could do this with our salvation. Like if you have what the Catholics call a mortal sin. Yes. You can lose your right standing with God or something of the sorts, which is nonsense. So it's this idea, though, that God hates divorce because it's lying about the realities of salvation. But God also is a pragmatist to a degree, and he understands that, you know what, because of the hardness of your hearts, there are some stipulations we have to make. This is a, an imperfect world. And so the stipulations come down to you are not mandated but allowed to walk away from the covenant of marriage if, number one, there is actual sexual adultery, number mm -hmm. one. That would be a, a covenant violator. And then number two is if they abandon you, meaning mm -hmm. that typically it would be you're married to a non-Christian and then they walk away. walk away. Because of your faith in Christ or their lack of faith in Christ. Absolutely. And the idea here is that if you have a Christian who walks away from you, it's a little bit, it's a little bit stickier. Yes. The big picture is by and large, that should be avoided. And, and even if, um, I'm getting text messages left and right. <laughs> the bottom line though is even if they cheat on you sexually, it does not mean that you have to. In fact, it's permitted, but it's not prescribed. Right. And Jesus' desire would be if they are willing for the love of God, work it out for the That's sake right. of the gospel. We're all reasonable people. It always works out best if you can heal the marriage. Right. Now, I would like to just, my final two cents, and you can say whatever you want is, I am not counseling you, whoever's listening to this right now, in terms of your marriage. You need an actual human counselor who yes. can hear your story, hear what's going on. Because abuse and neglect and drugs and alcohol and all this other stuff weave into these stories in unique ways that would require this not to be marriage counseling as it is theological conceptual training, but the actual, you know, so what? So you need a really good pastor counselor to sit down with you work that out. Absolutely. I totally agree. It's kind of interesting that we sometimes spin words and that phrase, until death do us part, is nowhere found in Scripture. But the principle is clearly from Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Yep. It is clear that it is one man and one woman for one lifetime. Several people ask me, well, why is adultery one of those reasons that God would release someone? And it's like, well, do you understand in the Old Testament what would happen to an adulterer or an adulteress? It would be taken outside the city and they'd be stoned. Oh, it was a big deal because Americans don't have a understanding of the importance to God of sex and sexuality. And that just tells me how high God views the marriage relationship. Yep. And what an abomination, and I have no hesitation in using that word, adultery is to God's covenant of marriage. That's his first institute. Mm. He created marriage before he created the church. Mm. And so it is his prized possession after his creation. Until death do us part. Until death do us part. Only in marriage. All right, what's the next question? Next question, could Jesus have said no to the Father about going to the cross? Mm -hmm.